So much of filmmaking is a mystery. Things go right. Things go wrong. It's better to be lucky than good. It's all such a crazy black box, but one of the most insanely mysterious, magical almost aspects of it all is actually acting. And today, my guest Sophie Hyde talks to me about her film, Good Luck to Leo Grand, and about directing actors and about how sometimes less is more. I'm George Edelman, host of the No Film School podcast, editor-in-chief at No Film School. And yeah, acting kind of makes or breaks you a lot. And how do you have any impact on that, right? Great actors sometimes come to you by accident. Sometimes it's because someone wasn't available or sometimes it's because you ended up casting against type or someone had an idea or the perfect thing falls together or falls apart. Who knows? And performances themselves are so mysterious and emotional and psychological and there's books written about it. There's just so much to it, right? But being able to get good performances can truly dictate the outcome, and the lifespan of a film. It can carry sometimes otherwise weak content or it can destroy really, really good stuff. Sophie and I talked today about filmmaking in many aspects and her career and how she came up in a small town in Australia and sort of built up to becoming a director through really sheer will and dedication to her own version of doing things. But the thing that I find really interesting is directing actors. Good luck to you, Leo Grand is a actor-dominant piece. Takes place in small spaces, mostly scenes between two people. Where you put the camera, what you tell the actors, these are truly the domain of the director. So learning from a director who just had to swim in the deep end of all of that without much else to hold them up really teaches us how sometimes more is a lot less. And I think you'll understand what I'm talking about as you listen to the interview. So here we go. Thank you so much for doing this. Really excited to have the time to talk. Yeah, my Um, pleasure. So one of the things we like to talk about initially at No Film School whenever we do this is what got you inspired to start a career in filmmaking? Do you remember when? Was there a specific moment? Was there an event? Was there a movie you saw? Was there a, a person? Yeah, I wish it was so so um, specific. But no, I, I grew up doing youth theatre. So like as an actor, working with really great directors and, and kind of building performance and plays. And I really loved it. And I loved making with other people. Um, but I knew I wasn't an actor. Like I was very much thinking about everything else and not sort of thinking about my character. And so I sort of knew I wanted to be a director. I thought maybe in theatre. But as I started to, I went to, I was going to take a gap year before university and I, I went to a film lecture and I just got so excited, like about the idea of kind of film as a cultural idea, you know. And I just enrolled and then went straight to university and kind of really loved it and sort of really explored documentary and And then it just, I think it kind of like a lot of things, who you fall in with becomes sort of your path in a way. Like, and so the people that I was drawn to were all film kind of people. But I do remember back then being like, um, I don't look like a director. Like there were certain people in the university course that look like directors, you know? 
and I think you could picture them probably. <laughs> and, yes, and, and no, that's why I laugh because I think I know what they look like probably. What, yeah. <laughs> what was it that made you, did you think though, I want to be one, even though you knew you had this idea, you didn't look like one and, and there was, there certainly is a standard of what expectation and the kinds of people who've had most opportunities fit that yeah. description. But yeah. did you feel like I'm going to do this? I want to do this or, or what was going on in your mind? I, as think, far there as was that? A, I think there was a kind of in, internal kind of certainty, weirdly somewhere in me that I, that I wanted to do this. I felt that other people had more surety at the time. I felt like there were directors who were like, I'm a director. I've never made anything, oh, but yeah. that's my thing. Um, I felt more like I'd like to try this. And I sort of did dabble in it, but then I found myself uh, doing what lots of people do, which is, you know, helping to make other people's things and, you know, just being around it and kind of learning. And it took me a long time to be like, no, not only do I want to be part of this, but I would like to direct, you know, movies. And what were the first things, the projects? Because I know documentaries was kind of what started at least on the resume, but I know everybody's made plenty of things in school and beforehand that kind yeah. of, so what, what, was it documentary? Was that like the, the path initially? No, I, oh, a little bit. I, I did make a bit of theater originally, but um, yeah, I made a documentary called Girls on Lose, which is about women's toilets. And I just interviewed <laughs> people in women's toilets. And we also did like song and dance numbers. So it was like very theatrical. Yeah, I was really suddenly taken with documentary at a point. And I made that one and then I continued to make a few. But I, I found them, I loved doing them, but they're really taxing documentaries. You know, I still I still produce documentaries, but I don't direct them so much anymore. Um, but your Girls on News Lose was really fun, which I'd hate for anyone to see it now probably. <laughs> and then I sort of, I'd made some short films and I did a lot of work with dancers. So I made a few dance movies. And even one of my docs was about a dancer, choreographer. So that was a big part of, for years I was kind of just in the arts industry in Australia, like, you know, being a filmmaker, making things on stage uh, for theatre shows and video visuals for nightclubs and all of that sort of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And sort of only slowly was kind of coming to the idea of films and stories. And truthfully, I, I come from a place called Adelaide, which is a small place in Australia, small city. And there is a great industry there, but it's, in, it's, it's traditionally been Australian films come in, they shoot there and they leave. So we have amazing crews, but we haven't had as many directors that have kind of been from there. And until I made my first feature drama, which went to Sundance, 52 Tuesdays, I didn't really have a sense of the international industry, like what it meant, you know? It was more of a local experience or the Australian world. of, and, But I mean, that that Australian cinemas exists, you know, so there was definitely like an idea of it, right? And there were some major breakthroughs in global cinema from Australia, certainly in, in your era. So yeah. was it sort of like that's one day or or did you, were you not thinking like that? Like, um, do you have your sights think- set on, on that or on feature films beyond documentaries as well? For sure. For sure. I always wanted to do it. And there were people that I respected and admi- admired. Warwick Thornton, the Australian director, you know, Jane Campion, of course, was the, the sort of person that was really around sure. and Kate Shortland. You know, there were some great directors coming out of Australia I think it felt far off to me. I, I was, I'm not even just in Australia, but I'm in Adelaide, which is like not even the kind of right. center, center of filmmaking. The great thing about that, though, is that there was a group of us who were all making films together and we kind of just put our heads down and, and, and made, you know, and like we weren't thinking so much about the 
the business of it. We were thinking a lot about the making of it. So we weren't around. So it, it was slower in a way, but it also meant that we kind of honed like what we were doing and how we worked together for a long time. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And you were able, like in terms of finding financing and support, like it existed. You guys had yeah. were capable of finding it because I'm sure business-wise it's very different than it is here. Yeah. We have level. like government funding for films, but... We, we were working at extremely low budgets to be able to make the first lot of things. And, and we had a kind of strategy around that and where we all kind of shared our money, pulled our money and took very low wages across time. And so we could make things for low budget without having to kind of, yeah, like so we could show what we were doing rather than, there was never a sense that someone was going to come and give us a, a money to make a movie. It was always like piecing it together. So how did 52 Tuesdays come out of that? Like what, what led to 52 Tuesdays, which is, you know, suddenly Sundance and, and a whole other, opens up all kinds of other stuff. <laughs> yeah. 52 Tuesdays was part of a lab. So one of the things about the city I come from is they had a great film community, but they hadn't had a first time funded feature director for 12 years from there. And so they did, they, they initiated this kind of new directors lab program that was about new voices. And we went into this lab with an idea, like we weren't allowed to have a script. We just had this one idea. Two people meet every Tuesday for a year and we film it only on Tuesdays. Mm -hmm. We didn't know what the story was or anything, but there was a lot of potential in the idea, you know? And we went through this lab process um, where we were kind of the, the writer, Matt Cormack, who I've worked with for years and Brian, my partner, who's a cinematographer and editor and I kind of had to go through this crazy lab where we were like painting and singing and <laughs> films and, you know, kind of heavenly, but also kind of come up with a story and, and, and 52 Tuesdays came out of that. And then it was in a very experimental movie because we were charged with telling a story, making a film that only we could tell that yeah, was yeah. like, and it was better for a low budget than if we had heaps of money. Like mm. it was an idea that was better at low budget. So 52 Tuesdays, we shot every Tuesday. We had a whole year with our cast. We edited, like we needed to put every Tuesday in the film in consecutive order. We had all these rules that no one would let us make. If we had a market sort of partner, sure. no way. We're not making that, do you know? Yeah. So it was a really rare opportunity and, and it taught me so much about making films. It, it created the way that I work with actors and there was a kind of crafting around it. And also it's a very flawed movie in lots of ways, but it's kind of part of it. It was, it was like. Because it had to operate by those rules. So yeah, those and flaws like, are baked in. Yeah. Except the flaws as well. Like mm-hmm. actually your job isn't to make something perfect. Your job is to make something interesting. I think, you know. That's a great quote. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's really, that's a, uh, that's a good one. I, I was just, as you were saying, I was thinking you said something else I want to ask more about, which was a film that would be better with a low budget. It's a really interesting idea because everybody always thinks, everybody approaches the industry like, well, if I could have more, it would be better. Like yeah. every, there's never enough. And I, I know, think and saying I think like, limitations, there's a, limitations right. 
fantastic. And like, not always, some things need more. But the guy that ran the lab program, Stephen Cleary, is a developer from the UK. And he was really sure about that. He was like, you can't just like make a film that should be $10 million for $500,000. Like mm. it, it just is going to not work. Yeah, it would be very bad. A, probably. Yeah, you can, make a film, <laughs> you can make a film that really works at $500,000. That's all you need. I mean, that's cool. Like Very smart to, to try to approach it that way. So to that point, were you backing into a number with 52 Tuesdays? Did you have a number that it was like, it has to be, or was it just like, we want to come up with an idea that works better under these circumstances. Yeah, it was like 350000 Australian dollars. I mean, it's like sort of yeah. 200000 US dollars. But yeah. we kind of created this whole, you know, I said we had a company and we all took the same wage and we all put all our money in. It was like equipment hire, everything would go into the pool and we took this wage. But some of that even came out of making 52 Tuesdays. We did end up with a bit more money than that, actually. But even that, it was like the way our budget worked wasn't like some big fee somewhere for somebody. It was like money anywhere in the budget that was for real, just the people we needed, only what we needed. And anything that was one of us went into the pool and and kind of kept us going for a long time, you know, the two years that we made it for or whatever. Do you take some of of that? Because you've been producing a lot. You've produced a lot of docs. You produce Mm -hmm. in general. Does some of that mentality, how do you apply it as a producer? Do you consistently sort of apply some of those principles and that thinking? Yeah, I don't like waste very much. So I'm sort of, <laughs> I feel like the script and the budget, they go together to tell you how the film's going to be made. You know, mm. the budget tells me a lot about a film. It's like, where's the priority? Because the budget is like the, a sort of indication of the priorities, you know? Mm. So when you can't see a, sometimes I make a film without, I'm not producing and I find that quite difficult because I'm like, I don't know where the priorities have been put. So everyone expects you as a director to just keep asking for more and more and more and more. (laughs) But I'm like, I quite like to know where we're balancing things, you know? I've definitely come from a low budget sort of. (laughs) But it doesn't stress you out as an artist. It seems like you almost make an art. You make it part of the art, like you compared it to a script. Like it's not just a a limitation. It's a part of deciding what's important. Yeah, is it is correct? like a little blueprint. And and you can make a very different film if you've got a, a bad budget can mess with your film, you know, yeah. like it can destroy things. And that might be a massive budget. But if it's if it's not prioritized right, it doesn't matter, you know, because you you need things in certain areas. You don't just need everything you want any second of the day. Right. (laughs) Nobody ever gets as much as they want for everything or very few people ever. Talking about good luck to you, I want to jump forward in time. I wish we could go through everything, but talking (laughs) about good luck to you, uh, Leo Grant, talking about 52 Tuesdays, there's similarities because Mm. there's a certain uh, framing or a certain setup. Did you approach this story sort of like, I have, I'm coming up with an idea for a certain scale? Like that, that, or did you, or did it speak to you on a thematic level? Like, I want to tell this story. I want to talk about these issues or this kind of person dealing with this kind of stuff and sexuality and stuff like that. I think the thematics really excited me, the, the idea of what we could do, but it didn't meet with the form because the form, the stripping away of all of the rest of it, the kind of focus just on the two people in one space. I had a feeling that we could go much further with some of those themes, that we could kind of really deep dive into something. So it was kind of a joint. What attracted me was the combination of the things, um, for sure. 
Yeah. And the theater background, right? There's something so close to that because you mentioned that right off the bat. That's where it started. Is that was that also what drew you to a character study theater one space? Yeah. I never think of it as theater at all, actually, because for me, I always saw the movement of the camera kind of getting very close to them and their landscapes of their bodies and the kind of intimacy of sound and texture and stuff. So I never really thought of it like that. And in, in yeah. fact, it kind of starts out a little bit like that, you know, there's mm-hmm. like, but then you get inside it. Yeah. And then you get in and then, you know, yeah. so yeah, I hadn't really considered it as, as theater, but yeah, for sure. Like it's actors that, that, I'm excited to work with. And then everything else goes away in a film like this. I mean, that's, yeah. that's actually not true. Yeah. All of the other parts <laughs> are there. And in fact, you just get very specific and, and nuanced and detailed about the other parts and they, they don't, they're not showy at all, but they still are there. <laughs> but when you talked about budget showing you where priorities are kind of, mm-hmm. and we think about something like this and you mentioned actors and you think about a talent like Emma Thompson and you realize that sometimes this kind of idea of, of more and too much and more of everything, like you can have so many great actors and they can kind of all disappear a little bit yeah. because if there's so much other stuff going on on the screen and there's so many of them competing, but you, you bring this one to the forefront, this one yeah. great performer and you kind of spend time with it, right? Cause you're deciding that's what I'm going to focus on here. Yeah. I mean, Emma's so great. Like you, you, see her in anything and you're like, oh, she's done all her work and she's excellent and skilled. But I did find it exciting, the idea of her in this particular role and in this kind of film, because, yeah, I think you want to see her go beyond just kind of doing her job, you know, doing it very well. But you want to see what else is there for her. And a film, I can't believe she doesn't get offered more films like these kinds of roles, you know, Um, where she kind of gets to do that thing that she's great at which is move between kind of comedy and drama really quickly like sort of mm-hmm. and you just go whoa what was that like what was that thing mm-hmm. that just happened and and also where she can use her physicality because she's a very physical actor and it's like people have thought she's sort of British and in her head or something mm-hmm. but I think she's like really in, in her body and and both of the two actors are and so that was really fun to be able to do. How much time did you have to work with them? Did you rehearse and do things that like, did you have, a, this feels like such a performance dependent piece. Did you get a lot of, of that time or not really given budget? You know, I know you never know. Was that a big, we, we had a week. To- we had a week. I was so sure we had to have a week together, do you know? And um, everything else had to kind of go away at that time, which is very unusual on a film because mm-hmm. The last week of pre-production is usually when everything is happening, you know. Yes. But I'm like, if I'm doing rehearsals, I need to focus on this. This is where the film is, you know. So it's it's a different thing for some of the crew. We talked a lot online, you know, about the script. And once Daryl came on, he and I spent a good week kind of doing Zooms and talking about the character. And we were shifting the character a little bit sort of thing. Mm. But then we had a, a solid week of rehearsals in just before the shoot. And we went really far. Like rehearsals for me are not really about, usually not about doing the scenes, you know. Mm. On this film, we did a whole lot of other stuff, particularly kind of physical stuff and, and, and sharing our kind of ideas about the movie with each other. Who was um, in these, in these, just the three of you? Or was there three more? Of us. Oh, just wow. the three of us. Um, and oh, and um, I had a young director from London who making her first film soon and she was my assistant so she was in the room a bit too oh great that's great for her and very nice yeah. of you and great <laughs> and great for me too she was yeah. 
Like I really loved her. She, yeah, we had this week of rehearsals, lots of physical stuff, lots of getting on the page with the tone, getting on the page with the purpose that was important to us and trying things out so that we were really ready for the shoot. But also we did actually end up blocking out a lot of the material, which I wasn't expecting us to do. But because of the nature of it, it's so, we shot so quickly and we, and there was so much dialogue. We just had to, we had to have those decisions already made. We couldn't walk onto the set and be like, where are you going to stand? Yeah. Were you thinking about the cam? I'm sure you were, but were you mapping out in any concrete way where the camera might go as they were doing things or were you trying to stay with them? And, and it was kind of part of that question for other filmmakers. How do you balance how much time you spend in a rehearsal thinking about like, oh, the camera could go here, there, there, and thinking about just what they're doing and their performance. I'm always thinking about both. Um, yeah. But I am actually, like, they will win the battle in my head. Like, yeah. I'll always go to them. I'll always try and be with them. But as they're starting to do something, I'll see something or I'll think I would like a shot here or I know I want to be with the window. So how will I get them over there in a way that's natural? Or You know, that's for sure there. Um, you didn't take pictures or do any, like... Yeah, I do. I sometimes Oh, take you did. Okay, pictures. yeah. Yeah. And, and in this... <laughs> so my partner, Brian, is the cinematographer and editor of the film. And so he's... So after a rehearsal, I'll, I'll talk things through with him and, and we will kind of be able to keep making our plans. But I also really wanted on this particular movie to have this huge window and um, in the hotel room and for light to be really important in the story because, of course, you're trying to make it cinematic. So light mm. is one of the kind of key yes. ways. And I really wanted to have the window and light in almost every shot. So, in fact... I was wanting them to be as natural as possible, but I was thinking about how how am I going to shoot this where I can still put the window in the background? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Which is funny, but that was just the visual style that I really felt worked for it. Yeah. Did he, did you work with the sort of like, okay, how are we going to do that? It's going to mean, you know, we're going to light from here with practicals and with everything like that. Like, you know, it certainly impacts the way you shoot it. Yeah, it does. And, and because the performer's, really needed to um, stay in takes for quite a long time because of the nature of the work. You can't, can't be like this one line in this shot. Like you can't sort of drop in and out of that. They needed the time in a scene to, to build up and to feel in it. So the camera team had to really come up with changing shots or like a, a kind of, and, and the lighting working for wherever the actors were going to go and kind of really getting that to, to function. Um, so that was that was a challenge that you know kept going right through the shoot because of course I say the focus is always on performance but of course it's also on the beauty and you want it to be gorgeous and right yeah mm. what did you shoot it on oh uh, we shot shot an Alexa Mini yeah hang on it was a large format camera it was the first time I'd used the like expanded the big sensor. And yeah. I just was like, oh, as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's it. Like yeah, there's a yeah. real elegance in it. And, you know, you've been on like what would usually be a very tight shot on a lens and you'd suddenly have all this space around, but you still feel close. I found it a, a beautiful format for this. Like, yeah, I was amazed. I was just like, that's the look right there. And yeah. I wanted the hotel room to be neutral. So we really needed a kind of very elegant kind of shooting setup to kind of yeah. manage that. Mm. To direct, also to give them the best, the best skin tones, the best exactly. everything you have to do because that's what you know part of what that's, Alexa is known for. But yeah, yeah, really nice. I like the Alexa cameras. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, I can't now remember what the lenses were, but they were really beautiful. We worked yeah. with did, you, did, you test, did you guys test stuff on them yeah. to see kind of how they would look in different situations? Or? Well, we were shooting in the middle of the pandemic. So mm-hmm. Brian had to go from Norwich to London and he did a bunch of test shoots with the cameras and lenses and sent them back to me. But um, we didn't get to test with the cast until we, it was all sorted <laughs> out. But I could see really quickly the right package. The right package felt really good straight away. Like even the guy from Panavision who we were filming, it was awesome. <laughs> like he just like suddenly felt radiant on the, the yeah. package. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess last question I have really is this is a movie that, you know, it tackles subjects that more movies are willing to talk about, but historically, you know, like it's not a common, you know, movie topic do you think you you mentioned it earlier kind of like finding a voice or what can you do or or individual voice how would you encourage filmmakers to get through the noise when they have something they want to say it's a challenge like we always tell them like you know you have to find what you can say and you have to tell but it's you know the marketplace doesn't always respond (laughs) right so it's a it's a really difficult thing and it's a hard question to answer i'm sure but it's you know, you've done it, like you've made this feature and, and you've gotten, it's going to be out in the world. And it's the kind of thing that talks about subjects and topics that doesn't, that don't get a ton of attention in mainstream cinema, never have. We keep telling people to do that, but it's hard. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. What, what's your advice if you have it's, any? Yeah, it's like, it is a really hard sort of balance. And it's, it really depends what you want to do because, you know, if you want to be a director that's a working director and you can go in and like take someone's script and kind of there's a team around you and you can imbue it with your ideas and kind of make it a, a director for hire, let's call it. Mm-hmm. And I think we're sort of disparaging about that, but that's actually a bloody amazing thing, right? Sure, and some sure. people are great at this. If you want to do that, then you kind of need to move into an industry in a certain way. Like you need to make things that will show that you can direct, that are give people faith in you, that kind of stepping stone things. If you want to be a director that is telling stories that are deeply kind of from you that you need to sort of speak about in some way, then it's a different path. And it's like you need different muscles and those muscles are in development and also in making. And so you have to build up those muscles and sort of trust something about yourself. And you can't be as swayed by those market pressures, I think, even though that's really hard. And I know what you mean. It's like you feel like you're doing it forever and you're like, does, is anyone ever going to care about this stuff? But the truth is that we're not great at making when we first start making, right? So you do need actually time to get good yeah. at what you do as well and sort of hone what it is that you care about. I mean, for me, that sort of that Stephen Cleary workshop where he was not just saying, you know, make something better at a low budget, but he also was saying, make something that really only you can make, like mm. really, truly, like, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have to be perfect, but also it doesn't have to be what someone else wants it to be. It, it, what's interesting about stories is the perspective of them. Like I want to hear from more people. I want more perspectives, you know. So I'm really interested in hearing someone's unique point of view. And that means more different directors coming up through and makers. And, and so I do have a strong belief that you just have to tell that, the stories the way that suits you. You just have to find yeah. what it is. Well, that's a beautiful answer. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate we're out of it, but good luck with everything and I hope to talk to you again soon. Really great to chat to you. Thanks. Likewise. Bye. 
Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Sophie, for coming on the podcast. Listening to things like this and to Sophie talk, it doesn't mean you're going to end up directing Emma Thompson. It doesn't mean you're going to end up learning how to direct anyone or everyone because everybody's different and every circumstance is going to be full of curveballs that are thrown at you, sometimes things beyond your control. But being intentional, I guess, about how you direct actors or think about acting in movies can be helpful. Just thinking through what elements can you control? How can you influence things? How can you get the best performance or capture the best performance as it's being given? These are some of the trickiest things about telling stories in this medium. And so we should all continue to study them. You can find out about all this type of stuff and more at nofilmschool.com. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe to this podcast. Leave a comment and let us know what you think. We love seeing those comments. I've seen a lot of great ones. And later this year, I'll do the thing where I start reading off some of the new ones. So get those comments ready so you can get them read off on the pod. And be sure to send all questions to editor at nofilmschool.com. We love to answer your questions on our weekly podcast, which we usually release on Thursday mornings. These interviews we usually release on Tuesday mornings, so there's two a week. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, check out our Instagram and YouTube. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> <laughs>